For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. I am Chandro Tar. Sandy Clough is on my left. Danny Bailey is in the booth. The call and text number 303-831-1340 if you want to react to the show. Obviously, we'll talk about the NFL today, the conference championships this weekend. Final four teams will then become two. There's only three football games left until the fall, everybody, because... I don't count the Pro Bowl. so t- You don't? <laughs> no. No. Mm. I'm actually more interested in the Pro Bowl skills thing and the whatever they're doing than the I, actual Pro I Bowl. Have, I, I have made this not a New Year's resolution. It's been an annual pledge going back at least a decade. I will not watch a second of the Pro Bowl regardless of the form it takes. I won't watch any of the events around it. Oh, okay. Uh, it's not. A real all-star You're, you're not going to watch the, the, the players play Madden against each other? No. Oh, okay. No. Why not? Not watching. Not watching. Uh, I watch the NHL skills competition. The game, not so much. NBA, mm, generally not so much <laughs> anymore. Is, I, because I remember when the NBA had a good all-star game right. where players actually tried. I think the skill stuff, fence. quite frankly, is more fun than the games at this point. I really yeah. do. because Well, it I, might I be it, true at, even at the baseball all-star I game. Too. Although I will watch the baseball all-star game because it is a, it has some semblance of reality yeah. attached to it. It's somewhat like a real baseball yeah, game. The nature of baseball kind of makes it hard to alter. Yeah, uh, obviously, a crazy number of substitutions, but the game is still yeah. the game. It, it, it's but in it's hockey okay. when you're not checking, in football when you can't tackle, in basketball yes. when you're not going to defend, yeah. the game kind of gets altered. But exactly. yes, I mean, I'm, I mean, they have dodgeball and tug of war and no, I, I will not passing. Uh, I will That's not more watch fun anything the, uh, affiliated with uh, the Pro Bowl. With all due respect catch. to the brothers, man, they have a golf accuracy competition for some reason. No, kick tic tac toe. No, I mean. I, you bet on kick tic tac toe? Probably. Well, I guess if they're in the Super Bowl, I can't pick Justin Tucker. So, hmm. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> it is. It is obviously this big weekend here, and uh, Danny and I were talking about it in the studio earlier, and the idea of you know, there's what you think will happen and what you want will happen. I will say this: I I look at the potential matchups of the Super Bowl, and one of the things I really like about this weekend is. All of them, I think, would be compelling for any reason. All of the potential matchups would be compelling. And that part is pretty exciting because that's not always the case. I, I know that it, it is the Super Bowl. It's the two teams that deserve to be there, and I, I never really worry about But their record was this or this team was a wild card. Look, you, you have to win. You have to win to get in, and if you won, you won. So I don't generally think there are ever two teams that don't deserve to be in the Super Bowl. But there are matchups that are more compelling and less compelling. 
And I think when you look at these four teams, there's a lot of stuff to like about any of these potential matchups when you're talking about the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Lions and the Niners. I love the two games. I think both will be close, and I'm not saying the final score necessarily right. will be uh, a, a one-score differential, um, although I do think Baltimore and Kansas City will be. I we'll talk that, more about, uh, yeah, that we'll later. about that later. Right. Uh, I think, I think right. San Francisco and Detroit will be close virtually throughout. It might not end close, but it'll be a lot like the divisional games we saw last week. I think both games will be like at least three of the four divisional games we saw last week, much more so than they will resemble any of the wild card games played the previous week, which are mostly blowouts and right. games that were over by halftime. Well, let's, let's take a quick peek at that first game. Some of the, the news, of course, that Mark Andrews will be activated exactly. off of the IR. That's, uh, that's a, good news because very it's good news hard for the to Ravens. imagine a better tight end tandem than maybe not 100% Mark Andrews, but well enough to play combined with live. Well, the problem is the one I can think of that's Maybe better is simply Kelsey and Gray because one of them's Kelsey. <laughs> but, but, but I'm, but you're I'm right. talking about where two guys yeah, are a, a, good, a very good pair. And you're exactly right because uh, Lively has done a terrific job stepping up in Andrew's absence. But now Andrew's will be back. And, and that's the beauty of it, I think, for the, for the Ravens because when you look at the way Lively has played, you know now that you can count on him. And if Andrew's is not 100%, and let's be honest, uh, Andrews is probably not 100%. He is probably good enough to play. And you know in Lively's case, you still have a guy that can get the job done. But you absolutely, if, if Mark Andrews is on the field, it's not like you can slack off. You have to assume he's as dangerous as ever. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is that gives, especially because of the tight ends, what do tight ends open up? Middle of the field, right, generally? Well, it was really good at breaking the containment and then cutting right up the middle of the field as a runner. Um, Lamar Jackson's probably the best in the entire league. Mm-hmm. So the, the danger of having that tight end tandem makes it really, really difficult for the Chiefs to defend because there's so many different things. For the Chiefs, by the way, injury situations, very bad news for them. Joe Tooney, their all-pro guard, uh, will miss the game on Sunday. That's and bad because of a pack. He's an all-pro caliber. Yes, yes. So. Well, he was he was all-pro all this year. So, I mean, he's all-pro all guard. That hurts. And then uh, they also, <laughs> by the way, to me. questionable, although you'd think he'd probably go, Isaiah Pacheco, who's yeah, a big part go. of their offense, he'll too. Go. If, if you're questionable, limited, that's a problem. You'll go. And, yeah. and, and I understand. I understand. Although, uh, um, uh, I may have been wrong about him. I like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire when they drafted him. I thought that was a smart pick. I did, too. Uh, it, it has played out. A little bit differently than I had anticipated. I certainly didn't see him getting beaten out by Pacheco. But as a reserve running back who could share some of the load, if Pacheco isn't 100% and would be a credible second back getting 10 to 12 and, carries. And he's a very good pass catcher. And he's a good receiver. You're exactly right about that. So I, that that worries me less if I'm a Kansas City partisan. That would worry me less than the absence of Tooney. That, the absence of Tooney will have more effect on the running game 
than Pacheco being 80%, 75%, 90%, whatever he turns out to be, in tandem with Edwards Hiller. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge, obviously. Of course, the Chiefs still have Holmes and Kelsey and Andy Reid, and Andy Reid is as, as good as anybody, uh, probably the best in the league currently. And I mean, as but good Baltimore's as anybody defense against Kansas City, very good. Now, yeah. um, you know, the Chiefs are 3-1 and one with Mahomes at quarterback against Jackson's Ravens. But I believe Baltimore won the most recent game. And played between the two teams. Yeah, when you when you it's the first meeting that they've ever had in the playoffs between Mahomes and Jackson, yeah. obviously. Right. But uh yeah, in, in the game and the most recent time they played was twenty twenty one. Lamar Jackson uh, ran for 107 yards and had three and touchdowns. Dove in for the winning touchdown. Three touchdowns. Yeah, flipped into that end zone for that. So uh, flipped. That's that's yeah. a more accurate yeah, he description. Really did. And uh, <laughs> he didn't dive. He the interesting part of this is these when you talk about and we've talked about the way defense in the NFL has kind of changed and adjusted over the course of the years because this year scoring is down and that's in part because you're okay with limiting things and it's it almost feels it's kind of funny even though it's it's not an apples to apples comparison. I think of Joe Collier's 3-4 defense that, that I watched growing up here with the Broncos and starting to understand how defense works. The great Joe Collier. Some of that DNA feels like it's in defenses right now, the idea that we will, we're, allow, we're allowing you to bend a little Very bit. Very much so. We'll, we'll bend. We'll give you a little bit of room in between the 20s. But, but we're not going to let you get those big plays over the top, and we'll tighten up when we get into the red zone. Assume that credit, credit is due. Uh, Joe Collier, to me, belongs on the Mount Rushmore of all-time defensive coaches, period. I don't care if you have four heads, five heads, six heads. He's up there. Even if it's four, he's up there. He's one of the four. I give uh, all due respect to Vic Fangio for conceptualizing many of the elements defensively that other teams use. Right. And he has Especially plenty right now. of pupils around the league who have learned defense from him. But I'm with you. When I watch defenses today, I see Joe Collier's three, four mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's uh, various elements uh, versatility. On I look at Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons would be the perfect Joe Collier defensive player. Oh, Micah Parsons he can line up virtually anywhere except on the nose and maybe outside a cornerback. But you're looking at a guy similar in many ways. Obviously, you know, a different athlete at a different time, but you're talking about a Carl Mecklenburg-esque guy. Mecklenburg could play anywhere along the front Played most of his career for Joe Collier. Right. And and there's there's some similarities there. And it also means when you have those kind of guys, you can bring pressure from different spots. And that means you can get the ball turned over. Because defense now is about two things. Not allowing the big play over the top, and taking the ball away, the Ravens and Chiefs have the top two scoring defenses in the league. Now, you have two quarterbacks who are not particularly mistake-prone. But you have defenses that have been opportunistic, and, and they put points on the board directly. That could be one of the big changes in this game, obviously. If the Chiefs win this game, mm-hmm. they'll win it with defense more than they'll win it with offense. I suspect you're opinion. right. I suspect you're in right. In my opinion. Now, have you noticed everybody's talking about the over-under? Yeah, And the over-under is pretty high, and they're talking about the over more than they're talking about mm-hmm. the under, just because of the history between these two teams, even as Kansas yeah, 40, City 44 is and much a half right now. Yeah. improved defensively. Um, you know, I have the over at 26-20 uh, in this game. Ooh, ooh sneaking um, by. Okay. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, if Kansas City wins, Baltimore, I, I, I think, will get a pretty healthy mix if Baltimore wins between offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Maybe the defense would be a little better, although I was very impressed with like Baltimore adjusted at halftime last week offensively. Yep. Because they were getting shut down by Houston. It was 10-10 at the half. Mm-hmm. And they approached it very differently and scored 24 points unanswered in the second half to win 34-10. Kansas City, I, I'm i saying last week probably was a little more offense than the defense. Yes. Oh, yes. I think so. Okay. Sure. This week, it'll be, if they win, it'll more be due to the defense playing well as opposed to the offense, which will, I'm sure, play reasonably well, but Baltimore's defense is much better than Buffalo's. Yes, and I think one of the things that you'll really have to, if you're the, the Chiefs, that you're going to have to see, and he's not opposed to it or whatever, but I, I think you are going, if you're the Chiefs and they win, it's in part because, at least on offense, Patrick Mahomes was an efficient and effective scrambler. I think he's going to have to run in this he'll, game. He'll have to. There's no he choice. Can't turn it over. We know nope, that. Can't turn it over. We know he generally doesn't. But remember, that you're talking about a defense in Baltimore that has the most sacks in the league at 60. They can bring heat from a lot of different directions. They sure can. They are good at coverage. And the truth is, the Kansas City at wide receiver is questionable. Uh, yeah, although I, I think Rice is coming on. I think on. Rice is coming on. And they uh, did get a Bob good performance out of Valdez well, uh, Kadarius Tony's questionable. But, he, but they don't have guys that are reliable. And so I think Mahomes is going to have to run. We'll talk more about this later in the show with Justin Adams of CBS News Colorado as well, and then we'll get to our predictions at the end of the program. But let's let's switch over to the... I didn't tell you who was going to win. I just Right, yeah. Who was going to finish 26-20. We'll save that for later. That's what we call in the business a tease, folks. The Lions will take on the Niners. Uh, Lions are favored by... Uh, pardon me, Lions are seven-point underdogs. The spread even higher, 50 and a half for this game. That, to me, is pretty surprising. It is interesting, though. The Niners are simply a better team. But there is a way, and a couple different ways, there's a way offensively and defensively for the Lions to surprise them. We know that teams are dangerous when they're kind of playing with house money, which the Lions most certainly are. The Lions have been able to really build an effective running attack behind Montgomery and Gibbs. And they can vary it. They have varied it. They can throw to both out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. In the end, for the, for the 49ers, which is shocking given their defensive ability, they're 25th in rushing yards allowed since week 15. So of late, they really have given up a lot of yards on the ground. Well, the Lions can do that, and if they keep it close like that and keep possession, you can start wearing some of that defense down. The other concern on the other side, to me, I get all the talent. I know about Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Debo Samuel practiced in a limited fashion today he'll for, play. for the Niners. I suspect he'll play. He'll play but we don't some. know how well he'll play, but he'll play. He'll play some. He'll play well. Brock Purdy was, I think, not uh, necessarily a lot. But the rain well. was part of the problem. Uh, that's been an issue for Purdy in the past. The, the rain is, has been a bit of an issue for him. Is it supposed to rain? It's not supposed to rain at the moment. Then he'll be fine. Right. But the other thing you've seen is, like every quarterback, he's vulnerable to pressure. Well, golf is more vulnerable. He is, but so it's a pass rush. It is contest. And Aiden Hutchinson to me, if Hutchinson, who will not line up against Trent Williams, if Hutchinson can get going with regularity, they'll double team. Uh, then yeah, I think the di- I suspect they will. But if he can somehow still break through it and be a, be a, a factor, then I think that changes the trajectory. I, of the I game. think they'll make sure he isn't the kind of factor he's been the last two weeks. That's that's my. I mean, if I'm the Niners, I'm focusing on it. On it. He's the only dangerous yep. pass rushing threat they've got. 
they will make sure that he doesn't wreck the game. Now, yeah. he, he'll play well, but he'll be double teamed every time. I do look at every it the way the, the team schemed against the Broncos when the Broncos de- defense was elite, you know, and he, even at, at years when he wasn't at his best, you know, I've said that for a long time and defensive coordinators for the facing the Broncos for a decade. The first thing they do Where's Von Miller? Yeah. Where's and, where's fifty eight? Where's fifty eight? First thing they do. Where's fifty eight? We're giving and help. wherever he is, that's what we're worried about. The rest of it, we, we they might have a great defensive day, but we're not going to let fifty eight beat us by himself right. because he's one of the few players that can. Yes. Aiden Hutchinson is one of the few players that can. He can wreck your game by himself. And and I guarantee you, in the meetings this week, Niners are talking on defense. Ninety seven. Do not let that guy right. get loose because right. he can wreck our game. Oh, they 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 will have protections and make allowances for for Hutchinson as much as they need to um Samuel even in a limited way he can still act as a decoy they they still have to play right. him honestly it's much they like Andrew sure you have how much to, he can do right if he's on the right. field if he's on the field you got to account for him and that will help the other guys listen Detroit is a great story but the 49ers as a franchise have been in 19 championship games now. Wow. 19. That's and stunning. This is the 19th championship game appearance versus the first time Detroit's been there since the 1991 right. season. And this is the Niners, by the way, fourth NFC championship game just since 2019. So, I mean, they're here all the time. No, this is not ancient history right. here that we're talking about. They, they, they're regular participants in this game. The other factor with the 49ers and the reason that Samuel could, even in a limited way, still be a factor, his legs aren't hurt. The 49ers are number one in the league, averaging almost 95 and a half yards after the catch per game. Detroit's pretty good, actually, in limiting yards after the catch Mm -hmm. defensively, but Detroit does give up big plays. Yeah. Detroit does give up big plays defensively. Aaron Glenn is a brilliant coordinator, and I kept reading today uh, from the players, it's a big deal that Aaron Glenn – and Dan Campbell are former players. And that gives them a connection that other coaches who aren't former NFL players would have. Um, I also had forgotten that Dan Campbell was on the Owen 16 team. Correct. In 2008. Mm-hmm. And you know what's interesting about that? They were 6-2 and two the year before at midseason. And you know who they beat? I don't. I don't remember to get to six and two. The final score was forty-four to seven. Oof. It was the only game here in Denver that Jay Cutler ever started and didn't finish, and he didn't last long. He got hurt in that game. Detroit won forty-four to seven to get to six and two, and then proceeded to go over the next 26 games through September 20th, 2009, 1-25. and 
Yikes. From 6-2 and two and beating the Broncos, who are not a particularly good team in 2007, but still beating the Broncos and looking like a team on the rise to turn around after 6-2 and two and go 1-25. and 25. But it also, and Dan that's Campbell an was a part of, part of that. And, and I that's, think that, that's, that makes this a great yes. story. There's a mentality behind that, too, that I think yeah. does matter. Dan Campbell remembers firsthand the worst of the bad yeah. days with the Detroit. And it's interesting because sometimes in the pros, it's it's a lot of the time because of the money, free agency, whatever, Like players are happy to play for their teams. They're proud to play for their teams. By the way. But it's a little bit different when you can take that kind of pride in, in for the Lions, trying to take them where they, by the way, have never been never. a Super Bowl. No, no, never been in the Super Bowl. And uh, that day the Broncos scored one touchdown, right? 44-7. to seven. Who was the pass catcher who caught the touchdown pass? Oh, I couldn't recall. He caught it from Patrick Ramsey. Cutler got hurt oh in the game. From Patrick Ramsey to Brandon Stokely. Okay. Not as exciting as that one against the Bengals, but there you go. No. Touchdown from our uh, <laughs> old colleague. Uh, Not nearly as memorable Right, exactly. Yeah, and then the In a 44-7 loss, loss, he caught the hey. only touchdown pass. Yeah, but you know what? You can the only play. touchdown scored it. was scored by Stoke. The Denver Nuggets suffered the worst loss that Nikola Jokic has ever had in his career last night against a Knicks team that, by the way, the man to my left warned you all about. We'll talk about I the Nuggets blowout you. loss to the Knicks. We'll talk about it next on Wildlife Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Last night, finishing off their road trip, the Knicks absolutely steamrolled the Nuggets, who simply did not look ready to play. The Knicks are up 33-21, one quarter in. And besides Nikola Jokic, the team seemed rather disengaged. Only Jokic and Aaron Gordon <laughs> scored in double digits. One of those buckets off another highlight pass, a... Over yeah. the back blind pass by Jokic. And uh, before we get into it much more, over at altitude, they had a chance to talk to Aaron Gordon after the game. He did talk about uh, Nikola Jokic's, uh, I don't know what it is, wizardry, magic, third eye, all of the above. Nikola had another behind the head pass to you in this game. How have you learned to always be ready when it comes to playing with him? I mean, since I've been here, he's made some remarkable passes, you know, so you always have to have your hands ready. Um, it's just insane, <laughs> you know, his passing ability, his court vision. Um, it's just, it's it's great. Absolutely amazing to play with a guy like that. That said, uh, Jokic did only have three assists and seven turnovers. And seven turnovers. And I was going to say, you will not see that again. I wouldn't think so. This year. All year. No. Regular season playoffs, you will not see that again. Uh, you know, you mentioned third eye. Nikola Jokic is a basketball mystic. Mm-hmm. That's what he is. He sees more than the rest of us see. He sees more than other players see. He has, figuratively speaking, of course, that third eye. Yeah. Now, the, the, 
the sense that some people have, the feel of the game, the knowledge of the game. He has all that, but he has a mystical third eye that I have never seen before with anybody. I've seen guy, and, and you need the first two eyes. Yeah, yeah. You, you need do. the first two eyes. But he's the the best example anybody I can remember at any position in basketball having that third eye and he, making yeah. passes that no one in the history of the NBA has made. And we, we, we're long past the best passing big man of all time. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking about best passer. Now period. we're talking about best passer, period. Um, maybe. You could debate that. Um, Magic Johnson. Yeah, in his only last two guys. Year, Magic Johnson, Oscar Robertson, the only two people right. I think compete. That's it. Magic Johnson, in his last year in the NBA, led the NBA in turnovers. Several times during his NBA career, he led the league in assists. I'm not suggesting that Magic's assist-to-turnover ratio was anything but spectacular. But when you try the spectacular, sometimes, especially as you move on in your career, the turnovers will pile up a little more. And even during Magic's prime, he turned the ball over a fair amount. And in certain games, Larry Bird did too. You you pass like those two pass. Not Either, everybody's, not ready, everybody's for ready for it. Yeah. And it, if it's a little off the mark, it, it's it's going to be a turnover. Jokic throws in the occasional high turnover game, but it's much less of a regular occurrence than maybe it was two or three or four years and, ago. And, and when it's it, still a great yeah. player, but he turned the ball over a little too much. Now, last night there last night was just a and disaster it, for everybody. It, those tend to happen when he, the, they the had Nuggets, twelve other yeah, turnovers. They spiral out of control, and Jokic is 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 trying, and it, it's it's commendable because what you see is he's trying to get guys involved. He's trying to almost drag them along with him. Those are when those big turnovers happen. He did get poked in the eye. He was down for a while. I had to go back to the locker room. Only uh, played twenty seven. He only played twenty seven minutes. Did come back and play the game. Uh, said it was sore. Obviously, but it, it doesn't appear that it's going to be at least no. a significant And they've problem. got to play Philadelphia tomorrow afternoon on in national TV. In a matinee TV. game yeah. that Michael Malone was yeah, uh, more than a little displeased well, about. Well, it's, it's TV. And Michael Malone um, understands that. Uh, you know, I, I don't blame him for complaining about it. That's, that's, a, that's a tough thing. But it's not like the Nuggets expended a lot of energy at Madison Square Garden last no, night either. I mean, yeah. The starters... Um, didn't play more than 30 minutes. None of them did. Gordon played 30. Murray played 30. Uh, KCP, 22. Porter, 22. Jokic, 27. Uh, the Nuggets will be well-rested. Uh, they they were never in the game last night. They were down 12 at the quarter. They were down 21 at the half. They were down 32 after three and lost by 38. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't sympathize. And, and TV dictates that. TV well, needed you're the champs. It needed a, what is it, a 1 p.m. or a 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Game. 3 yeah. p.m. game mountain time, 5 p.m. Eastern time You're gonna on ABC. On right. You're going to feature the, the champs. That's, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's how Heavy it is goes. The head that wears the and crown. it's Embiid versus, versus Jokic, Jokic. And the, the two best players yeah. in the world. And it may not be. We'll find out at uh, right the moment. Questionable Tyrese Maxey, one of those. Uh, questionable well, for the game. If he doesn't. 
play, perhaps then, that's that's. Uh, I think the Nuggets a, will edge or turn the, the favor. Right. Um, uh, with uh, less than two weeks having passed uh, between the time Philadelphia beat them at uh, Wells Fargo Arena, and in that started this road trip, this five game road trip, and uh, obviously when you're talking about those five game swings and against the opponents, they have Philadelphia title contender. You knew Boston, they were going to get a title contender. Uh, the they, they beat Washington. They beat Indiana. And, and then they, they just seem to not have it, uh, you know, whether it's just human nature looking forward to Saturday or you're kind of tired. Uh, Kitty Wingy of Altitude Television had an opportunity to ask Aaron Gordon again uh, about the end of the road trip. Obviously not the way you wanted to end this road trip, but looking at it big picture, how satisfied are you with the way that you guys came out and competed throughout this long East Coast trip? It was good. I mean, we came out with a uh, winning record, so that's always nice. But um, we wish we could get that one back. Yeah. yeah. How much tougher is it to just sort of find the legs when it's the last game of a long road trip? The other five game earlier in the year, that, that Houston game, there were sort of stretches like that too. How much, how much just tougher can it be after so long on the road? Yeah, it's tough just because I felt like our, our communication was lacking um, on the defensive end. And I think that comes down to like, just like a little bit of exhaustion or like fatigue a little bit. It's just like harder to like do both, you know, to play defense, play offense and communicate. And I think that was, uh, what we were missing was the communication uh, to each other tonight. The Knicks had 26 assists and eight turnovers to 20 and 19 for Denver. That's the, and that's, that's the, the offensive communication, not even yeah. on the defensive side. That's of the court it. Was and defensive to. communication was bad. Yeah, no no doubt. There. However, I will add, and I wish I'd had this number yesterday, but I have it today. Randall and Anobi, a recent trade acquisition. Right. Brunson, and Divincenzo uh, yep. have played 211 minutes together. Those four. Sims is the center in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And when those four are on the floor together, 211 minutes plus 100. Yikes. I rest my case. That That's the best four-man group in the league right now. Yikes. I mean, that's, 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 that's the best four-man group. Ananobi is such a... He, he's, he's sort of a... Uh, Silly putty defender, and when I when I say that, I mean that he, he's able to kind of morph into whatever you need on defense. You know, if you need him to play a passing lane, he's effective in the passing lane. You need him to kind of shut a guy down, you can. You need him to be on a bigger guy to deny best the player ball, on the floor he can do it. Time. Yeah, he was with the best player on the floor. I don't think there's a question about it. And no doubt. I think people are finally starting to understand how good Jalen Brunson is as a player, too, because he's, he's well, tremendous and he's a center. here's the thing. The Knicks lead the league. And this is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a very good thing. In Villanova, tough guys at the guard right, position. Right. They have even uh, Archie D. Akino, right, who is a national champion yep. at Villanova, along with Brunson and DiVincenzo and Josh Hart, who is very right. good off the bench. Four last Nova they guys. have four Villanova guys. And I think all of them were part of a championship team, if I'm not mistaken. I saw plenty of them beating Kansas twice in national tournaments, late in the tournament. Um, I I saw them win their national championship in Houston, I believe in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And some of these guys were around then. I know how they play. I know how they were coached by Jay Wright. And if you have a Villanova guy, 
he's he's going to be tough. Well, the he's, Nuggets he's, have he's one heady, of them and in he's, the and he's going to play D. Who, who's who, who's undersized, but pound for pound as tough as anybody. And I hope there is a day in which Colin Gillespie works himself into the Nugget rotation because I think he can help them. Now the Nuggets return for four out of their five at home, and the next three are a gauntlet. They get, of course, the Sixers tomorrow. They will get the Bucks on Monday, both in Denver, and then they travel to Oklahoma City on Wednesday. Yes. So, I mean, this is... We've talked about the, you know, the best teams the in the schedule. league. This road trip and the upcoming three. Yeah. I mean, look look at who they have played. We've talked about the title contender in, in the last, at least from the beginning of this road trip until the middle of next week, roughly a two-week span. You'll get Philadelphia twice. You've already gotten Boston. You've gotten New York. And you get Milwaukee and Oklahoma City. I mean, you, you will have yep. those measuring stick games. And I think overall, you know, the, the Nuggets at the tail end of the road trip, I did not play well in that game against the Knicks. Uh, the game they lost against the Sixers was a good game. The Sixers were just a smidge better. That's the way it goes. It was in their barn. Now we'll see what happens when it's in Denver. But the, you're getting the best of the best now, and uh, it, it it will be intriguing to see how they handle these next few games because the, you don't get a lot of rest, really, in this one. The Nuggets don't need to look over their shoulders. No. But having said that, <laughs> They're a game and a half behind Minnesota. <laughs> right. But the two teams behind them are the Clippers and the Suns, yep. who along with Oklahoma City and probably the Knicks in Cleveland over in the East are the hottest team or teams in the NBA. One ahead of the Clippers, four ahead of the Suns, but the Suns have won seven straight and are playing terrific basketball. So yeah, you're right. And speaking of they numbers, look over the shoulder, but not with four guys, but with three. Yep. With Beal, Booker, and Durant. We knew they'd be the dangerous. Numbers are incredible. If they could stay healthy. And Zach Lowe, the great basketball writer for ESPN.com, noted today that they have a fourth guy too. And he is making it possible for all three of the other guys to be as effective as they've been. When Yusuf Nurkic. That was a terrific addition. Next to Jokic. Terrific. At the present time. And maybe Embiid. But I think in terms of cleverness oh, and the casual Don't forget about DeMontis Sabonis. Don't, don't ignore Sabonis. Um, no, I won't. But I'll tell you what. In terms of facilitating making other guys better, uh, there's not a better passer right now among the big men than than uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, I I think, yeah, even and, and Sabonis gets his triple doubles and high assist numbers regularly, and even Embiid is is passing more, and those passes are leading to baskets more often. But I think the real the guy who's made the difference, and for a lot of people, not me, and I don't think it was true with you either, but I think a majority of people looked at that eight and four Nurkic exchange, mm-hmm. and well, Portland got the better of it. Not no. even close. Because Nurkic is a much Nurkic, better Nurkic center than eight. And he's much more physical, and he's much more willing to bang. And on and top he's of more that, unselfish. He's that's a the much problem. See, and when you're that's talking the about the other three guys in Booker, Durant, and, and Beal, you have to understand you're not one of the main offensive cogs. In Aiden's case, some of that being the number one overall draft pick, presuming you're supposed to be that too. Nurkic at this point, who, by the way, can put up 
20 points in games when he, he needs can, to put up 20 when he points. He needs to, and he's also a good runner. But rebounder. he understands his job on this team is clean up the mess, you know, get, get the rebounds, get the putbacks, and then, you know, clog up the space for those three guys to operate, and he's perfectly fine with that. So he's the exact match for those three guys. It was a great addition for the Suns. We said it at the time. It still is. They're now, dangerous. Well, My what the Suns have beyond those Suns four are. guys is open to My question. question is how healthy they can remain. Because right. historically, right. there's no indication they'd all stay right. healthy. True. Uh, over at Superbook Sports, we're changing the game. Win some money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use the promo code MILEHIGH, you score up to $250 with the first bet bonus. That means win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. Here's how you do it. Download that Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code, Mile High. It's easy, right? Just Mile High. Then you'll get 250 bucks, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're going to stick to the hard court, but we're going to go a little bit younger and look around the college scene. A big, big win by DU last night as we continue to monitor the chances of all three of the men's programs. And, of course, things are going well up in Boulder for the ladies as well. We'll check in on the local programs next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Seen South Dakota takes it out right now. Denver's just got to hope to come up with a steal. Tommy Bruner, Tommy does it. Tommy gets it to Tyson Garth. Looking across the floor. Save for the win. Seen. The final there last night. DU at, at, at home versus South Dakota. You hear them on the uh, the, the Pioneers broadcast on their website. Uh, the We've mentioned it before. A couple weeks ago, we talked about him. We've talked about this DU team. And uh, I, th- I think, you know, we saw something. If you At like 49 last Yeah, year. if you like offense, you, how about 111 to 110 point game in college basketball, including, yeah. by the way, the overtimes, two overtimes. Two overtimes. 30 to 29 uh, with DU there. Tommy Bruner, the, the nation's leading scorer. Yep. 49 points, a career high, and a steal leading to their final possession, and then he passed, he flipped the pass over to Isaiah Otto Ankara. Ankara goes ahead and hits yeah. the three-pointer at the buzzer. DU rallies, they are now 13-8. and eight. Bruner went 15 for 34, including five threes. Wow. That's the third highest uh, total, by the way, in scoring in the history of DU basketball. Their record uh, within the Summit League is inferior only to St. Thomas, and that's one game. 14 and 7 versus 13 and 8. He's played a tougher schedule. Um, South Dakota State right now is 5 and 1 in the league, but only 12 and 9 overall. I think DU is the best team in the Summit League. Uh, and by the way, when they played they, only they a couple weeks lost. ago, DU thumped South Dakota State by yeah, 19. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, DU has also lost to North Dakota and Oral Roberts, mm-hmm. who aren't particularly good teams. Uh, they have beaten North Dakota State. South Dakota, Omaha, and they play Omaha again, this time at home tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, as you mentioned, South Dakota State, 
The only league game South Dakota State has lost came against Denver. Uh, this is one of those deals where the regular season doesn't matter as much. You'd like to win the league, but you'll get one team in the tournament. That'll be the automatic qualifier, and that team will come out of the tournament. The right. tournament champion will go to the national tournament, uh, and no one else will. So the key for DU is beating South Dakota State and maybe having to beat St. Thomas and South Dakota State to get to the NCAA tournament, which would be a tremendous achievement. Uh, the better news, though, Sean, and I'll let you outline the situation, but as of this morning, bright and early, Joe Lenardi came out with his bracketology right. projections for 2024. CU is in the tournament. As but a 10 seed. What I love is the headline The headline of that today over at ESPN, because you and I said this literally yesterday. The headline, Mountain West could have as many bids as the Pac-12 and ACC combined, which is exactly what you said. That's not what he's projecting, but he's saying it could happen. Right. Could happen that way. CSU is still, even with a loss at Nevada the other night, a six seed projection for Joe Lenardi. And wow. both CU and CSU would play in the South region. CSU would play in Pittsburgh as a six seed against 11 seeded Princeton, who would be the uh, Ivy qualifier, the automatic Ivy qualifier. And 10th seeded CU would play in Charlotte, same region, but would play in Charlotte as a 10 seed against some team out of East Lansing. <laughs> that uh, Magic Johnson Yikes. played for and Judd Heathcote and Tom Izzo have coached. Uh, it is there, but perhaps yeah. as good a tournament team compared to regular season achievement as there been uh, as there has been in the last twenty years. Compare regular season Michigan State to tournament at, uh, Michigan State. It, it, Michigan State has always seemed more dangerous in the tournament. Um, wouldn't that be a great matchup though? Because CU right now has as good a starting five as there might be, and I'm even including Arizona. Who lost Arizona to Oregon State. giving CU an opening by blowing a game yep. to Oregon State Nate last Lundy's night. Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, was pretty happy 83-80, and it, a lot like the DU game where a last-second yep. shot. Now, it wasn't a deficit that they were dealing with. It was 80-80, and a last-second shot was made from the three-point line, uh, player involved was going to his left and just flung it up and it went right in and as a result CU is now in second place in the Pac-12 by its lonesome and that means that tomorrow if CU wins at Washington State and Arizona an angry team goes to Eugene and knocks off Oregon guess who is in sole possession right. of first place in Soul the Pac-12. That would be it. A little bit past the halfway mark of the conference yes. season. Now, CU just won their first CU road game would be of the year place. against Washington on Wednesday. Tomorrow, as you pointed out, Washington State. Washington State is a better yeah. team than Washington this year. Washington 11-9, and nine, Washington State 14-6. and six. But CU had had little to no success in Seattle over the years. We'll see how they do in Pullman. 
The, the rest of the schedule for them, only five home games remaining. Uh, there are six left on the road, so it's not going to be uh, anything you put it under cruise control for sure for the Buffs, who just got their first road win. So we they have find to get out. a few more on but the But one of the things I do like about, about the Buffs is let's go look at their last six games, of which they've won the last four and then the previous two they lost. But here were their leading scores, starting back on January 6th versus Arizona State in that 76-73 narrow loss. K.J. Simpson had 23. In the four-point loss to Cal, a terrible, easily yeah, their worst bad. loss of the year. Terrible but loss. Lampkin was their leading scorer with 22. Uh, Javon Hadley had 15 in their win over Southern Cal. Cody Williams led the way against Oregon with 23. Uh, Tristan De Silva led the way against Oregon State with uh, in that win. And then Hadley again Hadley against again. Washington. Yeah. But, I mean, in six games, you've had five different leading scorers. All starters. Yeah. So all, you're talking your starters about a, a and Luke diversified O'Brien offense. Plays... Roughly half the game, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, coming off the bench, and he does a little bit of everything. He's the Swiss Army knife with some size and aggression, good defensive player, smart offensive player, doesn't take bad shots. Um, one through six, DU is as good as anybody yeah, in a pack. All of all of their starters, I've, I've had the opportunity. So you know that offense means you can get those points from just about anywhere, which is pretty exciting. We was in last place in the Pac-12. I haven't looked this morning. Not last. USC. Who would have thunk it? Huh. Two and six in league play, eight and eleven overall, with Bronny James. Now I I know it's a miracle that he's playing at all. Come right, off the heart scare, absolutely. But um, I'm not exactly distressed for uh, their coach. No, I didn't. Uh, being in last place, going around the entire he country, is the most overrated coach doesn't seem to feel like there is a, a lot. Bronny James averaging five point nine points in uh, eleven uh, in the eleven games, averaging about twenty minutes a game. The Going over to the side where we're talking about uh, CSU, of course, the team that is still ranked 24th in the country. Big game tomorrow for them. They go to Wyoming, take on the Cowboys, and the rest of their schedule, however, looking pretty favorable. We talked about the the road home split for CU. For CSU, they only have uh, six road games left. One of them is tomorrow. And one, yeah, Wyoming. the one is tomorrow against Wyoming, and it's at least six and six. They do have two left with Wyoming. They have a, a, this one tomorrow, and then they will and be Wyoming the second, is last tough. game of the season. That's a rivalry. Yes, and they'll wrap up the season against Air Force, so yeah. you're thinking no problem, but they had to beat them in overtime. At home. Uh, only, yeah, only a week or so ago, so we'll see. But they're in outstanding shape. I mean, the Rams are in uh, a really good spot. They had a couple of those losses. The loss to Nevada uh, was not great, but Nevada's not a bad team. Nevada's and, a good team, yeah. as a matter of fact. And uh, among the... First four out, according to Lenardi's projections, Gonzaga, Kansas State, Cincinnati, and the next four out, let's see, Florida, Wake Forest, Nevada, and UVA. Right. That's how tough the Mountain West, Mountain West is, is that Nevada gets... Uh, squeezed out. It's Ole good. Miss is the other team there are among the first four out. So, yeah, I mean, you've got real good teams. Yeah, there are three ranked teams yeah. in the Mountain right. West. Three. Utah right. State, New but Mexico, and Colorado the, State. So here's the projection, though. The Mountain West Conference, five schools. Five. Yeah. That's Pac-12, four, including CU. Mountain West, of course, five, including CSU. ACC, only three. North Carolina is a one seed. Duke is projected to be a five and Clemson a seven. 
That's it. The bumpy road left. The three teams out of 68. The bumpy road left for the Rams, of course, is the fact that the, the losses they've had have left them a little bit in the buried in the Mountain West. They're three and three in conference. Utah State and Boise State lead the way at five and one. So they've got to start uh, really rolling through these conference well, games. Winning again. Because you've got to win yeah, on the road. You've got to win on the road. You've got to win the conference games. The, the, the truth of the matter is, those seedings for the conference tournament are really going to matter because this is a really good conference. So those seedings make a difference. The Rams need to finish very, very strong. They're in a good position to do so, but they have to find a way to do You're so. You're right. got to keep it going. And, and let's keep in mind, they've lost to Nevada. Uh, Nevada's 16-4. and four. Right. Nevada's yeah, they're good team. They're very good. And they've lost to the first and second place teams on the road at Utah State, at Boise State. They beat New Mexico, third place team right now. They have beaten UNLV, Air Force you mentioned, and they need this one tomorrow uh, at Wyoming. The five Mountain West qualifiers, as of this morning, according to Joe Lenardi of ESPN, San Diego State, Utah State, and CSU, all six seeds, New Mexico a nine, and... Let's see. Boise State at 10. And we are not. And there could be a 60. Nevada could get in. There we're might not forgetting, be six. By Wouldn't the that way, be something? We're, not, we're not forgetting the number three team in the country up in Boulder, the Colorado women's basketball team, number third in the, in the entire nation. Big game tonight, by the way, on the road against ranked Oregon team. State, ranked 25th. They'll be in the Northwest for a little while. They have Oregon State on Friday. They will go to Oregon on Sunday. And then next week, Back on the road up there, Washington State and Washington. So four in a row on the road for the Buffalo women. Again, 16-2, and two, tops in the Pac-12, third in the nation. College basketball in Colorado is popping in a way that we have maybe, maybe never seen before. We'll find out and continue to follow it as it goes. We're going to take a look at the NFL Conference Championships, and we'll do that with our friend Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado. We'll do that next.